Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Do you want to hear what I think is maybe a bold fast food take? What's that? To start off the show here. Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney from WBEN joining me to start the show, by the way. Burger King, best nuggets. I'm not a nuggets guy. Okay, I'm not really a big Nuggets guy either, which is probably why maybe I'm not the, uh, shouldn't be the authority on this, but I, I think Burger King has the best Nuggets. I I'm going to say, I think Wendy's maybe gets the most uh, the most uh, limelight. But Bur- Burger King gets a lot of hate for some reason. I don't get yeah, it. It's not. Their, the Whopper is phenomenal. I don't care what you say. The Whopper is tremendous. But what's special about it? Shouldn't your, shouldn't your signature burger have something special about it, like, McDonald's with the Big Mac, like the special sauce, and you got the 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 extra bun like in the middle, and Wendy's is like they're just throwing bacon on everything. If you were to blindfold me, just a bigger burger. If you were to blindfold me and say try this, mm-hmm. I could tell you that it was a Whopper instead of just like a just like a regular well, burger. Yeah, but doesn't Burger King have its own like taste to it? Well, there you go. There, it's a signature. Okay, so just a bit. Okay, I see. What, I see what you mean. All right. Fine. But I'm going with the Burger King as the best nuggets. Uh, at Sneaky Joe WGR, if you've got a problem with that. And I, I'm just, I'm comparing them to like the other. Wendy's, you know, McDonald's. Yeah. yeah I got you. If, I knew what you were going Chick fil A's probably. Right. I'm, I haven't had Chick fil A nuggets. Um, I'm assuming they're better. Never had them. But like I'm when, it's like when someone tells me that uh, Five Guys burger is better than Burger King. It's like, yeah, oh, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, oh, right, right. they're getting two different things. They're not in the same class. Right. Yeah. You're comparing a. Uh, like what, an NHL player to someone in the AHL. Like, oh, yeah, this is not going to work. We're all about fair comparisons here. A um, lot of stuff to get to on tonight's show. I want I want to have a, a discussion Sabre-related, not necessarily what yesterday was. That was more so what's going on off the ice, the organization and their, their handling of like 90s night and a lot of the special celebrations and the arena, like a lot of off-the-ice factors to why fans are not happy right now with the Sabres. The front office is interesting, and I want to have a discussion a little bit later in in tonight's episode or tonight's show to kind of just lay out like who could be the next scapegoat because I can't imagine this season continues to go the way it's gone not even in a playoff race, and nobody pays for it at the end of the day. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But i, I got to start with Eli Manning. 
We've got to start with Eli Manning. I have been notorious on social media, at least, for some strong takes against Eli Manning. I put out a stat even earlier today. There are only like a handful of quarterbacks who retired with a 500 record, perfectly 500 record. Ryan Tannehill's still going right now with one. And then guys that have retired. It's, it's Eli Manning, who retires at 117 and 117. Jim Plunkett, who is an easy comparison to make to Eli because he's got the same win percentage. He's got two Super Bowls like Manning does. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Different era, different type of conversation. Plunkett had a 500 record. You've got Tavares Jackson, Jeff Garcia, Brock Osweiler. Like, it's not a great list that is joining Eli Manning and guys that are 500 for their careers. The Hall of Fame discussion around Eli, to me, is kind of pointless. I think he's going to make it. Like, right? Is that not almost a guarantee? If I had to bet on it, I would absolutely bet on him being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, without I think without question at yeah. this point. I can't see him being, I don't even know if it's a snub, but I can't see him not getting in. Here's this. If he doesn't get in, I will be thoroughly impressed by him not getting in. Because my thought is, everybody in the media loves him. Peter King yesterday is giving him all kinds of love for how he was a professional and how he treated the media off the field. Ian Rappaport today from NFL Network and NFL.com has a story that he tweeted out. on like He was growing up at Ole Miss, uh, Ian Rappaport, figuring out how to be a reporter. And he flew to New York, and Eli gave him like a half hour of his time and was super professional. And, yeah, classy, a true pro, and very friendly to the media who we've seen just by the TO saga they will they will factor in their own relationship with the players to you getting into Canton but the Super Bowls being there the fact they were against the Patriots the fact they were against Tom Brady the fact that one of them was against an undefeated Patriots team the fact that you've done it in New York City there's a lot of factors to me that aren't necessarily what Eli Manning was as a player to why he's getting in. And that's where I have an issue with it. Again, I think he will get in, but I don't believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. To me, Eli Manning is a case of he should probably be in the Hall of Very Good and then the two Super Bowl victories exactly. that you can you can call fluky. The you know, the Tyree catch, you know, they're a legendary player. You're right, but but lucky, right? Fluky. It was is a fluky, fluky. play. Yeah. It's whatever. You still won. You were in a position to beat one of the best teams of all time, if not the best team of all time, most talented team of all time, and you did that. And uh, yeah, Hall of uh, Hall of very good. And I think those two rings are going to put him over the top, though. Whether you think that rings should factor into mm-hmm. the decision to get into the Hall of Fame or not. I think they will, and I think they absolutely carry weight. They definitely carry weight. At the end of the day for me, you mentioned before we went on air, there's this picture that's floating around. There's this question floating around on Twitter. There's four pictures. It's Eli Manning, it's Matt Ryan, it's Philip Rivers, and it's Ben Roethlisberger, I think. Correct, yeah. And it's how many of these guys make the Hall of Fame. And my answer to that, again, is four. But how many would I put in? Maybe I just have too high a bar, but I really do believe the Hall of Fame should be reserved for... The tenth of one percent of football players that there's just no argument about. They were one of the best at their sports, at their sport all time, at their position, their role, whatever it may be. But that's to me why I think Steve Tasker should be in the Hall of Fame. Not even because he was a Bill. I didn't see him play. 
But logically, to me, all you should have to boil it down to is he was the best of the best of what he did. Is he the best to ever do what he did? He is? Okay, then he's in. And quarterback, there are so many guys that will get in because now, especially, we live in an era where everybody's putting up stats. Jameis Winston, I know he threw 30 picks last year. That guy led the NFL in yards. He led the NFL in yards. And he was second, I think, in passing touchdowns. But does anybody for a second think that he's good? Like, legitimately, like maybe some people will think he's like, he's good. No one would say Jameis Winston is like an elite quarterback, though. Nobody would say that. And to me, Eli is going to be a product of his market, his two Super Bowl teams, which one of which, by the way, didn't they score 17 points in that game or 20 points in that game? Both, both games were low scoring, and yeah. they had a tremendous defensive run I, for the whole playoffs. I just I hate every argument of, that is Eli Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. But I, let me ask you this question. You said those four names. You said Ryan, yep. Rivers, Manning, and Roethlisberger. How many of them, in your mind, get in? Or that how you, many would I put sh- in? How two. You'd put two. I would put Roethlisberger and I would put Rivers in because I think both of those guys – for at least several years of their career, you could argue, and you could look at it statistically, you could watch the guys play, they were at times elite quarterbacks. And Matt Ryan, to me, did that once. Like, there was one season where Matt Ryan was an MVP, where Matt Ryan almost won the Super Bowl. One out of, how many years do you think he's been? Like, 13 years in the league, probably-ish? Yeah, yeah. One out of 13, Matt Ryan's the best quarterback in football. Eli can't even say that. There was never even a single year to me, where Manning was in the conversation for this is one of the best quarterbacks in football. This is the best quarterback in football. That never happened. And if you never enter that conversation, I don't know how you should be allowed to now enter the hall, which is supposed to be filled with just the best of the best. Would you rather have Phillip Rivers for his career than Matt Ryan? If I'm start like if I'm just starting, if a you franchise could start out? fresh yeah, and both so. these guys are rookie, you'd much rather have they're Rivers right. than Ryan. They're in the same territory to me, though. If they're in the same I'd territory, take them both then over. why aren't they both in the Hall of Fame? Well, they're still playing. I you you know what I you know <laughs> oh, what I'm I asking. see what you mean. I, I feel like there's more. I feel like Rivers did it more often, like year to year. Maybe they're close enough, though, where maybe they should be the same answer for me. Maybe once Matt Ryan puts together a few more seasons and the longevity is there as well with him, then maybe my answer would be yes on Matt Ryan. Um, so maybe my answer should be yes on Matt Ryan. But really, they would both do you think team be above su- Eli to me. Do you think team success should factor into a quarterback's determination well, of whether they're a Hall of Fame player? I really don't. Do you? Like, I think I, it carries, I, really, I think it should carry a little bit of weight. It carries but I don't more think weight than should a be the guard. But should it be the determining factor? I don't think it should be the determining determining factor. But Matt Ryan has had his team at least there. Like you, you can't tell me that the Falcons have been a better or a worse franchise while those two have been the quarterbacks of their respective teams than the Chargers. You know, Rivers never even got to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. At least the Falcons did. And you can argue that for a number of reasons. You know, whatever. Julio Jones is great. Wh- whatever you want to argue, that's the reason. But, I mean, I think that for the quarterback position, more so than any position in sports, other than maybe basketball, because it's kind of an in- individual game, the NBA at least, I think that there needs to be a level of team success for you to be considered a Hall of Fame quarterback. Isn't that not the argument of what makes Brady great, is that he made everyone around sure. him better? Is that not the argument of why you need a franchise quarterback? Because regardless of what your defense does, if you have Patrick Mahomes on your team, 
you have a chance to win any game. There's only so far, though, that you can take that. Like, to me, I see Matthew Stafford as one of the top, one of the 10 best quarterbacks basically every year for the better part of a decade. And the team's success is not there with it. Even like a guy like Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez won four playoff games in the span of two years. So he's got four playoff wins for his career. Does Matt Stafford have zero? He might have one. I think it's zero. It's don't zero the, for Matt Stafford. Don't the Lions have one of the longest playoff droughts? Yeah. No, you're right. Because you know what? The stat on them, which is truly amazing, is they have one playoff win since 1957. That's incredible. That, that's Their last it. one in the early 90s, right? Yeah, early 90s with Barry Sanders, uh, 92 maybe. Um, could you take Matthew Stafford? Put him on even those two Jets teams that that went to the AFC Championship game back-to-back years. And you can't tell me those teams would not have still been as good as they were, as they were with Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez gets a oh, lot of— They would have been better. They would have been a lot better. And to me, that's the Eli even like versus Phillip Rivers conversation. Manning has a better reputation, I think, all time in terms of historic quarterbacks right now than Phillip Rivers does. He It just feels that way. And to me— if you were to switch their spots, which was very close to happening, the Chargers drafted Manning, and the Giants very well could have drafted Rivers, um, although there was a documentary on that draft a couple years ago, and I think the Giants GM who was in it said that he liked Roethlisberger. So maybe Rivers never becomes a Giant. But let's just say for sake of conversation that he did. Would those Giants teams with Phillip Rivers still have won two Super Bowls? Because to me, the likely answer to that question is yes. I think those teams would have been better because I think Phillip Rivers largely is a better quarterback, and if you had surrounded him with a better support system like the Giants did, he would have flourished even more. Whereas if Eli had have stayed, would have stayed in San Diego, and maybe this is maybe he deserves credit just for getting the hell out of that situation like he wanted to. If he stayed with the Chargers, and for years and years and years they didn't surround him with a good offensive line like Rivers didn't have for a while, and they didn't have a good defense for a while, and then there were like four or five years in between where it was just basically Phillip Rivers lifting up a below-average roster, would Eli have done better than that? Because my answer to that is in very easy, no, he would not have. We've seen what he's looked like the past five, six years with a poor roster, and they're one of the worst teams in football in the last six years. Yeah, I, I agree. Listen, I'm, you're not saying anything that's like I don't agree with. I just I think our criteria for what determines. And here's another thing: is we haven't even talked about the eras, right? Like right, this we is this is a passing era where these guys have been right at the top in a time that really football has been transformed in the NFL. It's just been really all pass, a shift to all pass. And that can make it a lot tougher, I think, when you're having the Hall of Fame discussion and who makes it, because. It, I, I've done this. I've compared Ryan Fitzpatrick. I literally compared Ryan Fitzpatrick's stats to Troy Aikman, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And they're better. They're better. And Ryan Fitzpatrick has never been a team's franchise quarterback. Like not he, not only has he not been in the conversation for one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like I'm criticizing Eli Manning for not being in. Fitz was never even a team's guy. Like the Bills came the closest by handing him a contract, and they got rid of him a year later. So that guy who's been a journeyman all his career, is higher in a lot of career statistics than Hall of Fame talent. I mentioned that my, my, my tweet that kind of went viral last year on Fitz having more passing touchdowns than Aikman. This year, assuming he plays, which the Dolphins say they want him back, so he's probably going to play, he needs like 50 yards to pass Aikman for passing yards. And then he needs like 2,000 to pass Jim Kelly. And he needs like 1,500 to pass... Um, 
there was another friend, the friend, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, Terry Bradshaw. Maybe like there's he's going to pass like three or four Hall of Fame quarterbacks in passing yards if he plays this year, and that is kind of a symbol of how much dif- more difficult I think it'll be to determine who gets in and who doesn't. Like if Matt Ryan makes the Hall of Fame, well then are you putting Matt Stafford in? Are you right. putting Cam Newton in? Because these guys are going to have some all time stats if they keep playing. Yeah, but be, you can't put everybody in from this era. And I was just about to say that. There's about like 10 guys from the last decade that you can have a reasonable discussion with on their merits of making the Hall of Fame, and that's just from the quarterback position. That's one-third of the league you can talk about as being, okay, well, compared to what they did you know, to Troy Aikman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting component of this is do you compare Eli to quarterbacks that are already in the Hall of Fame or do you compare Eli to the quarterbacks that he's played with his entire career played with and against like Eli has maybe at his peak been what the seventh to tenth best quarterback in the league Mm -hmm. he's always had Brady he's always had his older brother he's had Roethlisberger he's had Rivers who I think we both agree is better than Manning like there are Breeze there are a ton of guys that you would put ahead of them. Are you really okay with putting 10 quarterbacks from a single and, era yes. into the Hall of Fame? Because, because well, I'm not saying yes to that. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with your, uh, with your thought process here because that's a lot. And I just looked real quick at the list of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and I'm thinking about the late 80s, early 90s, which is generally given a lot of credit for having a lot of like superior quarterback talent compared to other eras, and the numbers show that. There are seven quarterbacks that I would say whose primes came in the late 80s, early 90s made the Hall of Fame. Steve Young is in. You've got, of course, Warren Moon is in. Dan Marino. Montana. Joe Montana. Right, Jim yeah. Kelly. Um, Joe, John Elway. Brett Favre. Probably a little bit later, so I won't count him for this. Troy Aikman. Like, that's seven guys, not including Favre, that were late 80s, early 90s. That's seven. And if you want to stay consistent and you want to respect older eras and not just hand out Hall of Fame nominations because this guy had this amount of stats, well, then are you only going to pick seven from this era? And if you are, does Eli Manning crack that? Because... I could go through the list and say, all right, Tom Brady's obviously a Hall of Famer. Peyton Manning's obviously a Hall of Famer. Um, I'm, I'm drawing a Breeze. blank on Breeze. Thank you. That's the, that's yeah. exactly the one I was thinking of. You've got Ben Roethlisberger. You've got Aaron Rodgers. I'm already at five. Right. And and those guys are significantly better. It's not even dude, like, Those guys aren't even questions. It, right. It's not yeah. even like Eli's in that ballpark as far as like comparing right. those players. Like the, That's a class above, and yes. you're already at so, five. Well, now let's say i got two spots left. Who am I giving out those two spots to? Because to me, Eli is not making it for me over a Phillip Rivers. He's not making it for me over even a Matt Ryan. I, I like I respect those guys and don't just look at, oh, well, how many win- Super Bowls did he have? Because if I do that, then I'm ignoring the rest of their careers. I'm ignoring two, uh, 250 other games where Eli Manning was kind of average. I'm ignoring 8,000 8, yeah, eight pass attempts because he had two legendary throws. Two out of 8,000. Not to mention one of those Super Bowl teams was 9-7, and seven, essentially 500, like his whole career has mm-hmm. been. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I might I think, be missing someone, by the way. Of those five, is there like another like guy that's in the league right now? So like, this guy's definitely making it. Maybe there isn't. Maybe I'm ignoring someone. Or just Josh Allen. Just, <laughs> Josh Allen. Okay. Um, but here, I think this is this is always um, a great question. I love talking about this point. When you compare the word best to the word greatest, 
I think this needs to come up when you discuss things like the Hall of Fame, right? We can all agree that Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. Just his stats blew mm-hmm. everyone out of the water. But are we ready to say that if you dropped Alexander Ovechkin in the middle of the 1980s and said, go play hockey, that he couldn't do the same or significantly right. better than Wayne Gretzky? Now, that's the question. Do we compare their raw talent it, was Wayne Gretzky faster than Connor McDavid? No. Does he have a better shot than Ovechkin? No. But he was significantly better than his peers. Right. Which is why he is. Which is why he's the greatest. Ovechkin yes. is a better player, probably. Crosby's a better player, probably. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's. I no, think you're right. You the only to, way you can compare yes. is to your peers. You have to compare it to the era. And if and you do that with it's, Manning, it's probably not fair to compare Fitzpatrick to uh, Troy Aikman. It's just completely different eras. No, sure. Th- th- that was like kind of a gag. I, I but understand. To me, what, yeah. in the Eli Manning Hall of Fame conversation, right. of course it's fair, and I think it's right to do that. And that's, to me, where his candidacy breaks down. Sure. So I'm. let's compare Eli Manning to the other quarterbacks of this generation, and I don't think he ever got to the point where he was consistently in the elite echelon. If you're not in the elite echelon, how are you a Hall of Famer? Exactly. The other point that will always stick with me, and it's it, that you can't really, it's hard to continue to say this because it's becoming less and less likely that this will ever happen. It was pretty unlikely that it would ever happen in the first place. But if you're telling me that Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer, largely because he won two Super Bowls, then you are telling me that Joe Flacco is one Super Bowl win away from being a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you will never get me on board with saying Joe Flacco, I don't care if he wins three more Super Bowls, that guy's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. And if Eli is with two, then Flacco's one away. Yeah, and Rodgers Rogers has the same number as, uh, as Flacco. I, mean, Rogers, I, was, yeah. I was never a big fan of compare. I think there's certain times when it's important to compare. Okay, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, what he's done, I don't think there are many players put in his position who could win six Super Bowl rings. Right. I don't think that's possible. And I think four, six Super Bowl rings in his case, that is an incredible okay. achievement. And I will put that over, okay, so Eli Manning has one more Super Bowl than Aaron Rodgers, but are we all going to say that he's a better well, quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? Use that same argument. There are not many guys you could drop in Tom Brady's spot in New England and they'd win six. There are probably maybe half the league could win one or two with those teams that Brady's had. Mm-hmm. But there's probably not many that would have won six. Like Peyton Manning could have won six, probably. Uh, maybe Rogers. I don't even know about Rogers, but maybe Breeze. Rogers. Breeze, like, yeah. There's like two, three guys, and it's really this top, this upper class that we're talking about of all time. Yeah. not just this, right? Not just this era. Roethlisberger, maybe right. two, but I think that's where I stop that list. Like, yeah. okay, these guys could win six. The Manning debate. If I, how many guys could I drop into his position with those Giants teams? Where they were basically built by their pass rush, like one to, to this day, it's the best pass rush I've ever seen. Is those Giants teams? Like they had five elite pass rushers. Tuck, at Pierre, times. Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. Even like Kiwanuka was like a ten sack guy that was a backup for them. Yep. How many guys could you drop in Eli Manning's spot and would win those Super Bowls? Because I to me, it probably, might be like half the league. Uh, yeah, I was I, I was going to go a little bit more conservative, but for the last ten years, the top ten quarterbacks in the league every year. I agree. Would Alex Smith have won two Super Bowls with like the New York Giants? Like maybe, like maybe. I think with Jay Cutler, like I think you can make that argument. I really do. Matt Hasselbeck, I don't know. I just 
I just never thought he was near the best quarterback in football. 803-0550 is the phone number. Eli Manning, a Hall of Famer. Burger King, the best chicken nuggets. Let me know what you think. Um, this is the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney from down the hall at WBN, joining me as well here on WGR. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I think I'd just be myself, you know, let it come naturally. I never try to, uh, you know, go outside the box and, you know, do something that isn't myself because I think guys see right through that and just uh, they'll think it's fake and can't be that way. Guys in this, you know, guys are smart in there, and so they'll see right through you. But I think uh, at the end of the day, you got to be yourself. That is Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers. How good is Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't think anyone knows. I don't really think anyone knows either. I'm not sure the Niners know. It's seven attempts last week. How are we supposed to tell if he's good or not if the biggest game of his career he and throws seven won passes? comfortably. Oh, yeah, they didn't this need him at all. That's what we're talking about. Switch Garoppolo and uh, Rodgers? <laughs> this is exactly what we just spent 30 Ooh, minutes talking about. Pretty much. I'm very happy he's not in New England, though. I think he's good enough for that. Because at the very least, how, do you think Belichick thought that out five years in advance? Could no. he? Could he have been genius enough to think, all right, they're forcing my hand? They're, they're going to make me trade my plan for the next quarterback after Tom Brady. All right. Well, I'm not going to I'm not gonna make it easy for Tom Brady to leave here. So I'm going to trade Garoppolo. But the only call Belichick made on Garoppolo was to San Francisco. And a lot of people just take that and look at it and think, oh, it's just bitterness because he didn't want to trade him. Or he really did want Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he thought wanted if he wanted the best for Garoppolo, then being coached up by Kyle Shanahan is a good place to do that. What I think he could have done years in advance was think I'm going to make it as hard as possible for Brady to leave here at any point because now he's my only plan. Where would he want to go? You sound like a crazy man. Where right would now. Brady want to go? <laughs> he would want to go to his hometown team that he rooted, rooted for as a kid. Grew there, up watching. There is no way that that actually happened. Maybe, but now maybe that Belichick sent Garoppolo it, I, there. I want it to be the case. I want it to be the case, too, <laughs> and it would be so genius if it did happen that way. And the Shanahan part of it can be included in that. He could think, all right, I want Garoppolo to be good. Shanahan's there. I sent him there for a second-round pick. He'll be, Under that coach, he will be absolutely good enough to where Brady never even has a opportunity in the slightest to go be the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm and in then lo- I'm he'll either have to be idea. a Patriot or go somewhere that he doesn't have any other feelings for. I'm in love with the idea, but I think, I, it happened. Uh, I think it's a little far I, I've talked myself into it. <laughs> I'm giving Bill Belichick enough credit that he's an evil genius that thought that far in advance. If anyone deserves it, it's him, though. So, 
And I'm t- I mean, yes. Bill. Bill deserves the yes. the credit for it. If anyone else made the move, it would just be whatever. Yeah. But because Bill made it, it even draws us into this line of thinking. Ex- exactly. We're having the Eli Manning Hall of Fame conversation because you know it's uh it's kind of a slow week. We're waiting for the Super Bowl. It's, it's All-Star Week. It's Pro Bowl. It's NHL All-Star Game. And uh, we're a sports radio station, so th- that means that you have to have the Eli Manning Hall of Fame conversation. Everyone's doing it. I'm here for it. Everyone's doing it. What do you think about it? 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's go to Dave. Dave, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Uh, well, I'll try to keep it about football. There's two parts I wanted to make. One, uh, real quick, because in the previous break there, we were talking about like a little bit of hockey and Gretzky and different things, but mm-hmm. I just think Ovechkin's doing something amazing. I mean, the guy's got 692 goals, and he's only 202 goals away from Gretzky's record. He's He's got 50 goals just about the last two seasons. He's got 36 this year. It's like, holy hell, are we actually going to see a guy break one of Gretzky's all-time records? Like, yeah. imagine him back in the day. I mean, what would he have done then? It's, it's insane. But at the same token, though, talking about football stats, I agree with your list there, like leaving Eli out of the you know, top seven of this decade. But what if he took, like, Dan Marino or Warren Moon, who had, like, ridiculous numbers back then, and made them young and put them in today's game? Like, what would they be able to do in today's game? Because they had crazy numbers back then in that time frame. You know what I mean? My, my thought would be that – thanks for the call, man. And I'm glad you brought up Ovechkin because I am – he is kind of saving me right now as a hockey fan. Like, the Sabres are just not keeping me interested. But Ovechkin – like, yeah, that Gretzky chase, I think he's going to do it. Eichel and Ovechkin are the reasons I still watch hockey. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you drop players from the past into today's game with the current training, yeah, some of them probably would be elite. Some of them would be Hall of Famer still. Some of them maybe wouldn't be. It's so hard to project. It's so yeah. hard to project. What if you put Wayne Gretzky in today's game with all the training? Like, you could, the argument goes both ways. Right? I think what I think actually maybe it's it's harder to do is to do that then go then work backwards. I agree. Because yeah. nowadays it feels more like the best athletes are the best players. Like it's it's a lot more rare that a guy maybe not necessarily at quarterback, maybe quarterback would be tougher to do this, but like the Ovechkin comparison. I Ovechkin has natural ability and it's like physical ability. Like that shot, how powerful it is and how much torque he gets on his stick. Like, that is something that you can translate over eras. Whereas, if I take, like, Gretzky or... Who is known for his mind. Right. Like, would he think the game the same way? I'm not saying he wouldn't still be amazing in today's game, but I wonder if he would be as effective. I think it, it, he'd maybe it depends on the person. His, he'd have to speed up his thought process. That's for sure. I, the quarterback one, if you did that with quarterbacks, like, yeah, I think Marino would be great today. Like, there are some guys who are just so good with their natural ability, that it would translate. And that's why I think what you mentioned in the first segment is the right way to do it. You have to compare them to their peers of their era. You can't say, oh, is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Because he's better than Warren Moon. Like, I'm, I'm not here to have a Warren Moon versus Eli Manning discussion. But if you want to do Eli Manning versus Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan, or you can't really do it with any of the top guys. Roethlisberger would even be almost incredibly difficult to do. I, I just don't think that you can... I don't think you can do it over errors. I agree. And I, that's my whole thing. And whenever I get into an argument with people about that, it's what did this person do in his era? Because that's what's most important to me. The game changes so much that it doesn't even like think about the, the premier mm. position for a, a majority of football, I would say, has been the running back position. Right? Yeah. And if it hasn't been, it's been 
pretty darn close to quarterback as opposed to now where there's a huge gap. Right, and now look at the the lack of importance placed on running back. How many how, how many running backs from this era will make it? Like Peterson, Gore, and is that it? Are they? Does LaShawn Does LaShawn McCoy make the Hall of Fame? Does Marshawn Lynch? McCoy's if, close. If those guys don't, then you're gonna have like two running backs. McCoy to me is close. I Lynch. I don't know. I still have that sour taste in my mouth that he was so, a Buffalo Bill. So of guys who have played in the last five years, like two running backs, is that it? Is it just Gore and Peterson? Yeah. Maybe I it mean, is. Maybe it is. The young guys are the ones that I'm interested like, to see what happens with. I mean, it, you have the Kamaras and the McCaffrey's But these guys the don't Barclays. seem to last that long. Like, I bet you we had. I bet you people had the same thought about, like, hey, Jamal Charles, let's see what he does. Yeah. But the, these guys just don't play long enough, it seems, anymore. Sure. And well, they're also smaller. Yeah. You're, you're getting smaller Barkley guys Barkley maybe you know? is a special case. Yeah. And, yeah. and listen, sports is a pendulum. You There's ebbs and flows. You're going to find someone who the running game will win for that. Someone made this point about Derrick Henry. The You have defenses who are targeting smaller, faster guys to be linebackers, especially on the outside. So here comes Derrick Henry. Guess who has a difficult time tackling Derrick Henry? Mm-hmm. The smaller, faster out, uh, linebackers. I mean, it's you know, sports is, as you know, adjustments, and I think that that's why especially – Comparing to eras is so important. Let's go to Jonathan. Jonathan, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, Joe. Hey, Lou. Um, I would say I agree with Joe. I don't think Eli Manning should go to the Hall of Fame because of the two Super Bowls, because as you just got to say it, the Giants had, even though, yes, he did win the MVP in those two Super Bowls, but the Giants had an elite pass rush. It would be like if um, Josh Allen, uh, like if, for example, say his Bills, if Josh Allen and the Bills won the Super Bowl and the defense, it was all by the defense and we got just enough out of Josh Allen. It's not like the Chiefs where Patrick Mahomes is pretty much pulling the trade. So mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess my next question is, uh, would you be okay if – this is somewhat on topic, but would you be okay if Josh Allen was as good as Eli Manning? If it was like the next 15 years we won two Super Bowls, we would kind of end the rest of it. Well, I, I would be. I, Sign me up right but now. But that, that wouldn't that – wouldn't, make me put him in the Hall of Fame. It's a separate discussion. Of course yeah. I would take that. But, and, and, and Giants fans love Eli. There's, yeah, no, they, they have every right to. They have every right absolutely. to think he's a Hall of Famer. Just because you're but, not a Hall of Fame quarterback doesn't mean you did what you were right. you didn't do what you were drafted for. Eli Manning was drafted. He came in, he took over a franchise and he won two Super Bowls and at least they were relevant for a vast majority of his career. What else can you ask? How offended are you that he thought you were my brother, by the way? I'm not offended. I like your brother a lot. <laughs> um, Ovechkin, by the way, is exactly 202 goals back of Gretzky's record. I really think he's going to do it. He's 34, 202 goals. He's got to average 40 goals for five years, and that's if he only plays to 39. Let's say he averages 35 goals, 30 goals for the next five years. If he's only 40, 50 goals away from Gretzky's record he's at age keep 40, back. Yeah, isn't he just going to come back and score 20 goals on their third line for two years and break the record? I've heard him talk about the record. He's interested in it. Yep. He's said, actually, if he's lucky enough to break the record, he's retiring the next day. That, to me, says he would hang around just to break the record. For sure. I think he will. Good for him. I hope he does. And how do you not consider him the best goal scorer of all time? Yeah, the, the, Especially if he does that. If he does that, there will be no arguing it. The only but, other one that you could uh, you could throw out there is in, Mike Bossy. In fact, if he if he breaks the goal record, I'm putting him above Crosby. As a player overall? Yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. That's a hot take. I want... I want... I don't know what it is about Crosby. I mean, I kind of do. He is so under the radar 
dirty for his entire career. That maybe that's what rubs me the wrong way about him. But Vetchkin's no angel. I know, but in terms of the personality traits, the the entertainment value, the style included with like Ovi kind of wears that on his sleeve though. Like Ovi will run you over. He's not gonna he's not gonna stick check you between the legs like Crosby did to O'Reilly here. Right. So I was playing well, almost like a face of the league type of thing, right? Because yeah. they were the two faces of the league for sure. And I think Ovechkin has been a far superior face of the NHL than Sidney Crosby. So I kind of want his legacy to be higher. He'll probably have to win another Stanley Cup to even begin to have that conversation. But I, the goal record could do it too. I think a lot of hockey fans are with you on that where they can't exactly pinpoint what it is, just, but they're a bigger fans. And I think once you get outside of Pittsburgh, you will find that a majority of fans mm-hmm. are, like if you had to make them choose, who right. do you like more, Ovechkin or Crosby? And, and, that and debate, I'm not saying who's a better player. No, I, I almost want, I don't think you can have that conversation yet. That used to be a thing. Right? Didn't that kind of used to be a thing? Who's better, Ovechkin or Crosby? I think and I Crosby think that's gone took away. care of that discussion. But I like think three Ovi, years. I think Ovi career. can have a comeback here. I think Ovi can come back here. Oh, did you see Crosby's return the other night? Yeah, it was pretty. The the, the, the <laughs> pass off the back of the net, and then and then the between the legs oh, pass. Yeah, yeah. He, I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to take anything away from him as a player. It's more of, but it's other stuff for me in like terms of like how you are as the face of the league that. That is why I don't necessarily love him, I guess. To me, Ovechkin like is I a more likable player. I like the fact oh, he sure. wears his emotion on his sleeve. I like the he's fact fun. that... He's fun. Exactly. He was he won the Super Bowl, and he was hammered for an entire summer. The Super Bowl. Like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, the, the Super Bowl. <laughs> Crazy. Um, we'll get into the Sabres. We'll get into hockey a little bit as we uh, move along here. Jason Bottrell. Like, is he the next guy to go if this thing doesn't turn around? Or... Would they just keep going with status quo and allow him to try to see what he can do with the uh, with the upcoming flexibility in the salary cap after the season? We'll get into that a little bit, and uh, yeah, we'll keep going. Brendan Keeney of WBN joining me here. Jody Biasi on the nightcap on WGR. Similar to what they did with Montour last year. They're not high value. It's not going to be like it's a Foley or a Kreider or Pejo. I mean, they're not going to be in that rental game. But, you know, a couple guys I mentioned like Donato, you know, or Josh Anderson, if he's available. Those are some guys you can look at where, you know, they're not only going to help you this season if you do want to make a run, but they're going to help you beyond too. So they can do a little bit of both, I guess. Just how creative does Bottle want to get? What does he want to do? You know, what kind of pressure is on him too? his job 100% safe regardless of how the season goes and he knows that or does he maybe want to make a move here to show ownership hey I'm still trying look I got this player let's see how it goes next year kind of thing that is Chad Dinaminesis from Die by the Blade on with Jeremy White yesterday would he make a trade just to show ownership that he's trying like that to me you don't ever want to be in that place and that also would make me think that they would think about letting him go after the year I, I just I wonder who falls on the sword if this keeps going the way it's going and they're just not even in a race again. I'm really leery about general managers who think they have to make a trade to save their job. I agree. But there's got to be some motivation to make a trade. I, At this point, what's the point? At this point, what is the point? Well, it would be like he's kind of saying there, like, could you do another Montour type of trade? Maybe. I, I agree. I think you either need to – I don't know. Who do you want steering the ship? Because this is a big off season. They have all of these expiring contracts for Oleek and Sherry and VC and Rodriguez and Giergensen and Larson and Bogosian. Like, 
all of these expiring contracts coming up, there will be way more flexibility. Do you want to have this GM decide what the next three, four years of your organization will look like by using the money that will come available, by using assets that could be made using trades, by negotiating Sam Reinhart's next extension? Because my thought is, if you did want to move on or if you were even thinking about having the GM be the next guy to go, well, this offseason, to me, would look pretty appealing to an outside general manager that could go, all right, I could basically do almost whatever I want with this team because I don't got, what's their total number? They've got $34 million in cap space this offseason. That, they have zero right now. They have exactly zero. They are up against the cap. That's why they were like sending down you know, Lazar earlier in the season and right. that, and during a day yeah. and then sending him down at night because they just got to manage the cap. $35 million. Like, to me, maybe that's when you would want a new guy if you were thinking about it. Unless, uh, I hate even going down this rabbit hole. Are you going to go Kruger as the... No, no, no. Here? I'm okay. going that this was forecasted by Jason Bottrell before he was hired as the general manager of the Buffalo Sabres and said, listen, you guys are in a hell of a position, and if you hire me, it will take several years but you have to let me kind of just <laughs> wait it Be out, patient. wait these contracts out, and let me have my own team. And do you – here's my thing. Part of me – I know Jason Bottrell is not a dumb person. Like, he right. is a cap genius. At least he – that's his reputation. He has a master's degree from, uh, I believe, Michigan. Yeah, from Michigan. He, like, he, he actually has a history, too, in Pittsburgh. Like, he got a lot of credit – for finding those diamonds in the rough who exactly. would just go up from like the AHL, play with Crosby and Malkin, and like would produce for them. He's not a dumb person. Is this his plan? Is this has this been the plan the whole time? Without coming out and saying, well, "Hey, we're gonna yeah. tank again." Is he? Was that the behind the doors interview? Like this is what needs to happen, or is this actually what he is as a general manager? I don't know because he's made some moves like acquiring Skinner that have been phenomenal. Other moves like dump shipping away uh, O'Reilly, yeah, brutal. That well, that's my worry. My worry is this isn't the plan, and he's just gone gun shy because of the O'Reilly trade. Like that's my worry because we had some signs, like the Skinner trade, that he was willing to make big moves. We we have even evidence right now that he would make big moves. There is, I mean, he, he was in he was talking out in October like he wanted to acquire forward. Like he's been open about it. Um, but the action has not followed up. And to me, while maybe his plan would be patience and that, hey, we're going to really get going here in 2020, you need to show some signs along the way that you're going to be capable of executing that plan when the day comes. And it's not like there have been no signs. The Skinner trade is a home run. The Yoki Haru trade is a home run. Yep. But the rest of it, not trading Ristolainen. Not trade or uh, the, the O'Reilly trade, obviously. Um, hiring Phil Housley as your first head coach. Like the, there is other stuff that makes me really seriously question whether he can be the guy to execute all of these upcoming assets uh, in terms of their cap flexibility that they're going to have. I even gave him a pass for the O'Reilly deal. I gave him a pass, and I was just like, I'm happy that. We have we had an overly aggressive GM with Tim Murray, and we mm-hmm. watched him operate for a couple years, and that 
led to a lot of bad trades. I was happy with the, not happy with the O'Reilly trade, but I was glad that he came out right away and said, listen, you're going to get burned, but I'm going to be aggressive. And I'm okay with that. But, like, is this the guy that we want with 34, you said $34 million in cap space? 34.5. You're essentially creating another team. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's, uh, what's the total cap? The total cap is 81 and a half. That is so. That's essentially five seven million dollar players, and you only have three players with contracts at forward for next season of the guys that are on the team right now, like Middlestat, um, obviously. But you've got Eichel, Poso, and Johansson. That's it. Froelich UFA, Reinhard RFA, Sherry VC, Giergensen's Larson UFA, and then you've got Rodriguez and Lazar RFAs. Like forward, especially even Thompson and Olson. I miss Skinner by the way. He's on IR, so you have Skinner too. Four okay, guys. So that's more like what then? Twenty six million? Because Skinner's. No, no. I'm sorry. Skinner. That that cap number was right. I, I was wrong. In the there's only three forwards under contract. Okay. There's four Understood. forwards under contract. But still, four out of twelve. Only a third of your forward group is tied up. You can remake the rest of it. You're if essentially you really making a roster. Right. And the blue. Here... Well, the the blue line though. Like he's done some work there. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Like he hasn't been. He hasn't shipped out the dead weight. But he has brought in guys, like Yoki Haru being here, Montour. Montour last year, right. Colin Miller, who, like, that wasn't a nothing deal. Colin Miller's 27, and he's got three years on his contract. That wasn't a, a Band-Aid slap, like throwing Scandella or Josh George's over 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 problem. Except they don't play him. Right, that's, my, that's a bigger issue. <laughs> um, but, like, he's done some work to, like, you, you could see his plan on the blue line, right? It's puck-moving defensemen that can pass. He's brought those guys in. We have no evidence for what he wants to do at forward, mm-hmm. just because he hasn't done anything with it. Yeah, you asked if he could be the scapegoat, and he could be. I'm ready to say that scapegoat's probably not the right word because I think this team is a right. product of bad decisions that the, he's. The made. terminology was wrong, but like the guy that fall on the sword, basically. Yeah, and yeah. I would I would be okay if he was the guy who fell on the sword, but at the same time, yeah, like I he has like these bits of like these flashes of brilliance, right? The Yoki Haru deal was gold. And as it's, you t- it's it's one of the best trades they've made in exactly. my entire life. And and the Skinner trade was gold. So it's like, what? Which GM is going to orchestrate this rebuild? Because that's what it's going to be. Unless right. you plan on bringing all these RFAs back again, that's what it's going to be as a rebuild. Right. All right, man. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Keeney, K E A N Y. So check him out there. Uh, he'll be joining me once in a while here on the Nutcap, of course. Um, we will hear our interview of the day in the next hour. Marty Baran, as we'll stick with some hockey. He was on with uh, Howard and Jeremy earlier today, so we'll continue on with the Sabres talk after this. This is the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. 
Thank you to Brendan Keeney from down the hall at WBEN for joining me for the first hour. A little Eli Manning chatter. There's a poster, by the way, behind me in the studio here of Eli Manning. Um, I think it's there to troll me because I'm not a fan. It's not even that I'm not a fan. Like, I respect Eli Manning, especially as a person. He comes off. I don't know him. I've never met him, obviously. I've never interviewed him. never had nothing like that. But the fact that everybody, everybody says that he's a super classy guy, respect that. But Hall of Fame is supposed to mean something more, especially what's on the field to me. You need to be the best of the best. We've already watered down the Hall of Fame enough. We don't need to be putting slightly above average quarterbacks from their eras into the Hall of Fame because of two out of 250 games of their careers. Because of two out of 8,000 throws. It's not enough. It's not enough for me. And we also talked about Jason Bottrell potentially being the next man out if the Sabres continue along this track and are just not in a playoff race whatsoever. The uh, argument against that is this would be the offseason to really see what Bottrell's got. All of the expiring contracts coming up, all the cap space that they will have. But the thing about that is if you're banking on cap space being the thing that you're going to take advantage of, well, that means free agency. And I've changed as a hockey fan over the years where, like, growing up, it's like July 1st. I really want the Sabres to go get the best free agent available. We all went crazy when the idea of them getting Brad Richards became a realistic idea. And it never really was, but it seemed like it was. We loved that idea. Now, free agency, it just it can burn you so bad. Kyle Poso going into his year of free agency was the top guy. It was Stamkos, but then he signed with Tampa. So when teams showed up on July 1st, Kyle Poso was the most accomplished player. And the Sabres got him. The Sabres got him. And wouldn't you wish you could go back and undo that contract? So to think they're just going to dish out $35 million of contracts... To get who, also? Like, it's one thing if you're getting Taylor Hall. It's one thing if you're getting Alex Petrangelo. But, how are you going to get guys like that to even look at you? I don't know. Maybe those secondary free agents will be what they hold their hat on as their next plan. But, you know, I'm reading the book Stat Shot from Rob Volman, who is a big analytics guy in the hockey community, and he has like an entire chapter on roster building and team building. And he has quantified data over like 20 years in the NHL to look at the value of top-end free agents to secondary free agents, goaltenders, all of it, and how much value you get out of free agent signings like that. And there is nothing worse you can do when building a team than chasing second-tier free agents and overpaying them because you've got money and you don't know what to do with it. So my worry would be, is that what he's going to do to try to save this this thing? All of it. Because the other way, which I think is what we were hoping we were get out of getting out of Jason Bottrell, which was just nailing draft picks, nailing prospects, Finding diamonds in the rough that come out of nowhere. 
Who's the next Brian Rust, who was a nobody that Pittsburgh brought out of the AHL and is like on the top six? Who's the next Connor Sherry, who was an undrafted free agent that just showed up and scored 20 goals for a team twice? Who's the next, you know, Justin Schultz, who they claim off waivers and, oh, he's a top four defenseman? Who's the next Matt Murray, who comes out of nowhere and he's a starting goalie? Nailing those types of players. Who's, where, where is all that? Where's all that? Middlestat's not doing anything for me. Thompson's not doing anything for me. I don't, Asplin, like I don't have any guys that are coming through the system. Where where are my guys, the, these undrafted guys? Where are they? Curtis Lazar? Is that the best I can do so far with that? Yoki Haru is like his only hit when you're looking at the young talent he's brought in so far. And sure, you want to give it time to see what some of his drafts begin to look like. But how promising does that look right now? Not very. Not very at all. So, I don't know if it is the best idea to let this guy, let Jason Bottrell, be in charge of this upcoming offseason. I think I needed more signs that he was going to be able to execute the plan beforehand. There's too many misses. And there's too much inaction. It's not just about the long term. What have you done for me lately? Right? That's that's what you think about with players. Well, that's what I'm thinking about with coaches and GMs too. And I've got back-to-back seasons here where the roster needed improvement. And they started strong. So there was an opportunity to take advantage of where you were in the standings. Use that as another reason to go improve your team on the short term. Because you had a real chance at making the postseason. It's like the Bills. The Bills in 2017 with Brandon Bean. Think of this comparison. Because it blows my mind how much more competent the football team seems than the hockey team when the reverse was true for basically the rest of the early parts of my life. Like, 20 years, basically. The Bills in 2017, their blueprint did not set up for them making the playoffs that year. It didn't. That's why they traded Sammy Watkins at the beginning of the year. That's why they traded Ronald Darby. That's why they shipped Marcel Darius to Jacksonville. They did not care if they were good that year. That did not matter to their bottom line of where they were going to end up as an organization. It didn't. It's great that they made the playoffs. They got the monkey off their back. They got the pressure off of them to make the playoffs The playoffs in the future. But that season meant pretty much nothing to where they were going to end up as a team. It was a bunch of Doug Whaley and Rex Ryan leftovers. Tyrod was the quarterback. The offensive line was Cordy Glenn and Eric Wood and Richie Incognito. The defense was Jerry Hughes, and Preston Brown was still your middle linebacker. LaShawn McCoy, Charles Clay, Jordan Mills. like It was so much carryover still. But when they got midway through the season, and they realized, the Bills realized, hey, we've got a real shot to do this. We've got a shot to make the postseason. And even though maybe we didn't plan on being this good right away, we're going to jump on it, and we're going to go for it. And what did they do? 
they traded a third-round pick at the trade deadline for what they thought was a number one wide receiver. Now, the Kelvin Benjamin trade does not work out because he just wasn't that good as a player at all. But the move, what was the move? It was action to improve your roster on the short term. And they did it. And they went out and did it. And they traded a future asset, a third-round pick, to upgrade their receiving group. The Sabres have had two opportunities to have that way of thinking. To make a move like that. To go, alright, maybe not everything is all set organizationally. Maybe we didn't plan on being a, a, a legit playoff team this year. Or even like a number one seed like they were twice. But... Hell, let's go take advantage of this. Let's go get a second-line center. Let's go upgrade our defense core in the middle of the season. Let's go add another scoring winger. Something. Especially in the forward group that could have showed fans, showed everybody that you actually cared about winning that season. At all. And it never happened. It didn't happen last year, and it didn't happen this year. Back-to-back seasons early on, they were first place. And they did nothing to take advantage of it. Nothing. Even the Bills did it a couple years ago. It's frustrating. It's really frustrating. And a lot of that is why I would not be so confident to just assume that because all of these contracts are about to expire, that Jason Botcherill is going to be able to turn this thing around. He's he's batting 50% right now, really. The Yoki Haru trade is great. The Skinner trade is great. But then you've got the O'Reilly trade, which is a colossal failure. The Scandella trade. Eight up, four million bucks. Actually, more than that because Pommonville was here too. And I like Pommonville, but you had nine million dollars of salary cap eaten up because of that trade. The Hutton signing has not worked out. There's been a lot of stuff that has not worked. Thompson not being good. Thinking Middlestat was going to be ready for a second line center spot already. Not even already, like right now. Like a year and a half ago, they thought that could have happened. Oh, it's just, it's it's so bad. A lot of it is just so bad. This deadline will be interesting. I, I wonder if they do the Montour trade 2.0. I wonder if they'll be in the market for players that are under contract for like another year. And then maybe they'll go for them. I, I, I don't know what, what else they can do. Because they're not in a position to go for a rental. They're not in a position to improve the team right away. And that's going to be frustrating. It's going to be so frustrating because they need guys. And the season is getting away from them. It's really gotten away from them already. And we've still got three months of the season left. The deadline likely will be the Sabres trading away a bunch of rental guys on their own team for mid-round picks. It's probably what it's going to be. For a week, for like a fourth Sherry for a third or a fourth or a fifth. VC, same thing. Rodriguez, same thing. Maybe you trade Giergensen and Larson for a low pick. That's what this deadline's going to end up being. It's not setting up for me to think they're going to make any type of major move. I don't know. 
All right. We'll take a break here a little bit early so we can get, bring you Marty Baron in its entirety as our interview of the day coming back. More Sabres talk from the Sabres color analyst. And um, he was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning, so we'll get that to you next. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase on WGR. I just saw some very discouraging news come across my Twitter timeline. I'm not like a Star Wars nerd by any means. I've probably only seen every movie once, maybe twice for some of them. But I have seen every movie, except the new one. I've not seen the new one yet. Episode 9, I believe. I am very discouraged to see that Disney has put the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series on hold. So if you don't know, Disney was developing an Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show for Disney Plus, their new streaming service. And it was going to be the old uh, the old Obi-Wan. It was going to be Ewan McGregor from the prequels. Who was like the only good thing to come out of the prequels, really. The third movie was good. But... He was great as Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he was going to play him again, but they sent the uh, they sent the crew home, and what I just saw is that apparently it happened because the plot was too similar to their other, the other Star Wars series that just came out, The Mandalorian, and my thought to that is, well, did you not check with the people making The Mandalorian to see what it was about, to see what, what they were doing? Because, you know, that's part of the Star Wars timeline. Would that not matter to where you go with it? Everything's got to be connected. Like Marvel did that, didn't they? There's like 30 Marvel movies, and they're all kind of intertwined. They're all interconnected. There's different directors there. There's different writers there. But it just takes a simple text even to see, hey, just to make sure, what's what's the plot-ish going to be here? Because we need to know what we're doing. And then you don't find out till after The Mandalorian comes out that your plot is very similar to it and you have to now stop what you're doing and have to restart. That sucks. So maybe we get it, maybe we don't. But I was I was looking forward to that, not going to lie. No longer, though. Not getting a lot of love for my Burger King has the best nuggets uh, take. Everyone's saying Wendy's. I haven't had the spicy nuggets for Wendy's, so maybe I need to... Uh, Maybe I need to uh, not do anything else until that happens. Until I try them. But until I've tried them, I'm putting Burger King number one. I'm not counting Chick-fil-A or anything like that. Like Just the the fast food. I guess Chick-fil-A is fast food. I don't even know what I'm saying, man. Burger King number one. That's all I need to say. Back to hockey. Talked extensively about Jason Botcherill, the upcoming cap situation at the end of this year for the Sabres. They'll have over $34 million in cap space. But the team right now is um, kind of a drag and tough to watch and very frustrating and sad to talk about and think about a lot. It's it's dark, dark times, as dark as it's been in at least a decade uh, around here for the hockey team. Marty Moran was on with Howard and Jeremy earlier today, usually pretty chipper. Marty is, and in the middle of this bye week, as we're getting back into hockey a little bit, Sabres will return on Tuesday. Marty joined the guys, so here he is with Howard and Jeremy this morning. We're going to the Western Hotline to be joined. No 
no bye week for this guy to be joined by Martin Baran, who is uh, with us right now. Marty, good morning. It's Howard and Jeremy. Happy Thursday. How you doing? I'm doing great, although is it still the St. Louis Rams, or do I need to change that, too? Yeah, and it's not the Quebec Nordique, although maybe it helps if you actually change the last name, too. That might help you remember the new city instead of, you know, it's not like they became the Colorado Nordique. Yeah, or the, uh, I'm sure for a while it was the Atlanta Flames, and then it became the Calgary Flames, and, you yeah. know, everybody was confused because it stayed the Flames. Like, the, the Atlanta Thrashers became the Winnipeg Jets, so it was easy to make that transition. I, I'm still... So lost with uh, San Diego. You guys just said San Diego. I still <laughs> always say San Diego Chargers, and then my son catches me, and he says, Dad, they're not in San Diego anymore. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> hey, Marty, I'm curious. I didn't, I, you know, you and I had texted yesterday, and actually this was not on the list of things I was going to bring up, so I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. I was at TSN's website this morning. They have their top 50 at midseason, right? So Jack Eichel comes in sixth overall on the list and he's going to be in the all-star game the other day we were talking about what was it the, the poll of the players in the athletic and Eichel got one percent of the vote in terms of best player in the NHL right now what what do you do you get a sense is Eichel uh maybe he's not getting national media acclaim because the Sabres are never in the playoffs and they're not that relevant but what is the sense around the league of, of Eichel's abilities do you get a feeling that he's considered one of the top guys in the league uh, absolutely, and I did partake in that uh, in that poll. So I, um, you know, I get an email from the boys at TSN, and they say, "Do you want to do a top 50?" And I said, "Absolutely." And it's I'm telling you, it is not an easy thing to do is to put the top 50 players in the National Hockey League right now from one to 50. You know that some players are in the same grouping, and I think. When you look at Jack Eichel, you can put him in the grouping of the best players in the National Hockey League right now. Uh, but to say, okay, where does he fit? Does he fit at 2, yeah. at 5, at 7, at 10? Uh, it's definitely a tough exercise to do. So I had Jack Eichel at 5. For me, I had McDavid, Pasternak, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, and then I put Jack Eichel. But when you look at the rest of the league, you look at guys like you know, uh, Panarin in New York, you look at Malkin and what he's done in Pittsburgh without Crosby, uh, Brad Marchand, you look at Matthews and Kane, Ovechkin. I mean, there's so many great players. So to, to have Jack Eichel at six on that list from TSN, to me, it just means he's elite. He's, uh, he's gone to the point where now um, he used to be falling around 12 to 15, 12 to 20 all the time. Now he's gone to the top five, six. I think that's elite, and that's there to stay. That's you know, I think that's going to be like that for uh, quite a few years now. In terms of his line mates, I want to ask you a little bit about Sam Reinhardt. So it's possible coming out of the the bye week and the All Star game break that Jeff Skinner could be back for the Sabers, and then we'll have this discussion until Olafson gets back about maybe putting Skinner up there. But what about Reinhardt? At times we've had we've talked about. I know Instigators has also brought up the notion of moving Reinhardt off of that line to help drive a second line in scoring, since the GM had said at some point he believed Reinhardt could drive another line off the wing. Would you move Reinhardt off of the Eichel line coming out of the break? Um, it depends what your role, what your goal is if you move Sam Reinhardt off of the Eichel line. I mean, um, I, I know what Jason Bottrell is, is saying, and I know what Ralph Kruger eventually may try to do is to say, okay, well, we're, we're going to try to get some production uh, out of an, an, another line, another two lines, and we need to spread the guys around and, 
You know, you look at Edmonton does it with McDavid and Dreisaitl. They'll split them together, split, split them so they, there's production. Crosby Malkin is the same thing. Uh, you know, even seen with Taze and Kane back in the days with Chicago. Do you put them together or do you split them apart to, uh, to have more depth in your lineup? The problem is I know, and I don't have a crystal ball, but I know what Sam Reinhardt on a different line looks like. It doesn't look like a guy that has 41 points in 49 games and could get to 28, 29, 30 goals. It's, the production is going to be less than that. Um, the, uh, the pace is not going to be the same as when you play with one of the most dynamic players uh, on your line. So I, I already know what that's going to look like. What I was hoping for early in the season is with Sam being on Jack's power play unit, if, if Sam could still get the power play production and then the even strength production is not going to be as high as, you know, when he's playing with Jack, but still you would get some type of production at five on five. Now you're, you're still talking a player that can get 55 to 60 points and get his 25 goals um, and playing on a different line. But until recently, Sam on the power play uh, was not getting, you know, very much production at all. I mean, he's still... When you look at his, his power play production, he's only got 10 points, 4 goals. Uh, you know, early in the season, it was all Dallin, Olofsson, Eichel. Yep. The, the, the three guys at the top of the formation were getting all the power play points, uh, and Sam and, and Jeff Skinner were getting nothing. So if you want to split Sam and give him a chance to, to drive a line, as they, they say in the use then for me, the power play production needs to, to be at, a, at an ultimate high. Like if you want to make up for some of the production you're not going to have with Jack Eichel, you have to be able to get it somewhere else, and it has to be on the power play with Sam. And we're seeing a little bit of it, uh, but I don't, I don't know that it's going to be enough to, to make up the difference. Well, Marty, I would think one of the reasons to do it, to split them up, is Sam's about to hit another contract, right? He's an RFA. So, you know, if you think the production will drop, well, let's find out if it does. Maybe save a little money there. And if it doesn't drop, then great. We've seen the GM has said he believes Reinhardt can drive his own line. So I think for the last 35 games, a smart thing to do would be to make him do it. Drive your own line. If you do it, great. Here's your contract. You're going to get paid. And if you don't, well, we can still offer you a contract, of course. He's an RFA. And uh, you might save a little money in the process because – it, it strikes me that, especially in seasons once they might be uh, out of the mix, playing your contract year players with Jack Eichel might not be the best idea. It's a way to spend more money than maybe you have to. Yeah, and I totally understand what you're saying, but I can guarantee you that neither Jason Bottrell or Ralph Kruger are talking about oh, well, it's Sam's contract year. We're going to have to think about what we're paying him next year, and maybe his production is too high for our liking right now. We're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Um, th that's probably not happening. That conversation is probably not happening. And also, uh, the Sabres are, you know, yeah, they're ten, 10 points behind Florida, 10 points behind a, uh, a wild card spot right now. Um, they're not out of the playoffs. And what you saw last year is St. Louis – after the All-Star break, going on a run where they won nine in a row. In the month of February last year, St. Louis only lost one game in regulation, one game in overtime. So they went, I believe, was 11-1-1 uh, in the month of February, or maybe it's 10-1-1. I have to look it up again. 
Uh, but if the Sabres go on this run and all of a sudden win six, seven, eight in a row and only lose a couple of games in the month of February and Sam is playing with Jack, well, you're not going to take him off that line because you're still pushing for that playoff spot and you're trying to get your best players to produce and to, uh, to get you wins. Now, if you don't come out of the playoff uh, of the All-Star break with a, with a run and by, let's see, middle of February you're falling 12, 13, 14, 15 points out of a playoff spot, then maybe you, uh, um, you have a different plan moving ahead to the rest of the season, and we may see uh, some changes in that way. With that plan, let's say the latter scenario plays out, and we're, we're, we're about a month or so, I think, away from the trade deadline. If it, if it doesn't go well, they don't go on a run, and you say, okay, we're not making the playoffs. What, do you, what is Bottrell, what should Bottrell do about Rasmus Ristolainen, who by most accounts is having a good season, uh, but would certainly have value on the market? No, I mean, Risto, to me, um, you're starting, and unfortunately it's taken a long time, and maybe it was more of a trial and errors uh, with Ristolainen, but you're t- starting to see where his value is at. Um, what we're seeing out of Risto in the power play is a valuable piece of what Ristolainen is as a player. You know, for years you saw either Zdeno Chara in that role, you saw Brett Burns playing forward, playing D, playing forward, playing D. Like, it takes time to sometimes figure out a player. So we all know right now Risto is at his best when he plays 20 minutes or less. And we've seen that because when they use seven defensemen, there's not enough ice time for anybody to go to 24 and 25 minutes a game. And all of a sudden Risto is very... efficient in that 19-20 minutes. You've had to try Risto as a net front presence after uh, the power play struggle and then after Jeff Skinner and now Victor Olofsson uh, were uh, sidelined with injuries and now you're saying, oh, Risto is a really big asset for us in front of the net. He's willing to stand there and take some cross check and, and, and you know have that net front battle and uh, he's really good at, at being strong in the rebound. Uh, he makes actually nice plays down low. So that's an asset. And you've, you've gone to that point because it was kind of a, a, a last resort and it's worked. So but do you think what that's do you a long, want to do, do with you think Ristolainen? Is that going to happen long term, though, or is that just until they actually get 12 forwards? <laughs> I, I think, well, exactly. There's the thing. So what do you want to do with Ristolainen? Do you want him to be a 19, 20 minutes defenseman and, uh, um, you know, use him in the power play as a net front and say that is our best value out of Risto? Well, then if that's what it is, make the commitment to it and then that's fine. But if you still want to utilize Risto as a 23, 24 minute guy and, you know, kind of, I don't want to call it mismanagement because it's def- it's because of the roster you have, you're managing him that way, um, then I think you got to move on. And, and so I've been a strong advocate of saying I think Ristolainen needs to be a, a piece that you use to acquire yeah. other pieces to make your team better. And I still think that may be your only piece that, uh, that you have that will do that. Um, so you have to be able to see what value you're going to get. Now, if you don't get the value you want, then change it around and utilize Ristolainen with the best value you can get on your team which is 19, 20 minutes. He's got a good contract. Use him in a power play. But if you're finding value around the league with Ristolainen, then I'm still okay with training him because obviously this roster needs need new, new players, needs 
some help at, at depth at, at forward. Uh, you, you've got enough defensemen, and I think you yep. can make it work uh, without Risto. Yeah, I think one of the guys in, in this discussion, I wanted to ask you about Lawrence Pilot, and I think part of the Ristolainen discussion is, you know, there are different layers to it. One of them is, you know, if Bottrell's going to make a trade, how many commodities are we talking about that would really get some value for you on the open market? And if you look at the young, def- the offensive defenseman or what's happening on your decor, you have Darlene, you have Yoki Haru, who's turned out to be a really good pickup, and you have Lawrence Pilot, who's playing well, that you could move Ristolainen because you've got this other core of young players available. What do you think of Pilot since he's come back from Rochester? Uh, you see the, the skills that Lawrence Pilot has. You see the skating. You see the, uh, uh, his nature as a player. He's willing to take chances, but it's not reckless chances. Uh, he's got good reads when it comes down to jumping in on the rush. Uh, some of the uh, offensive zone uh, instinct that he has to sneak in uh, on the player on the wall. It's not called a pinch, but it's more like I'm going to sit on my winger and be right there as soon as he has the puck or getting involved in, in the, the high cycle and, and use his legs that way. The, the issue right now with Lawrence Pilot is that um, you know, when, when he doesn't have the puck, I think the game is going a little fast. I think he's getting lost a little bit. Um, you know, the battles in the corner, closing in on players in the defensive side of, of things are, are not happening uh, as consistently as, uh, as you would want, him, want it to happen. So, but it, he's a young defenseman. He's going to learn. Uh, I think we've said the same thing of Rasmus Dahlin to a different degree uh, early in the season. Well, when Rasmus Dahlin had the puck, he was really good with the puck. When he doesn't have the puck, he struggled to sometimes find his way in the defensive zone and, and make the correct read. So I think it's just a young defenseman trying to figure himself out. Um, you see... The, uh, the quality in Lawrence Pilot's game and what he's going to obviously bring to the Sabres uh, on a, on, you know, in the next few years. But I think we got to, you know, although we all seem to like Lawrence Pilot, we got to realize that right now you look at his, his you know, Corsi numbers and, you know, the, uh, how he drives uh, possession and all of that, and the numbers are not that great. And so you have to maybe take a step back and say, okay, where do we need to focus on and how long is that going to take? And I think we're still, you know, it's not going to take a week or two. We're still months and maybe a year or two away from getting the best out of Lawrence Pilot, but it's, it's showing some signs that it's going to get there. Marty Brown with us on our Western Hotline, with us every Thursday at 7.30, the rest of hockey season. Marty, thanks. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Enjoy the All-Star Weekend. Oh, I'm definitely enjoy the All-Star Weekend. Um, I'm really looking forward to the women's three-on-three game at the uh, skills competition. I think they are... Uh, I think they don't like each other very much, Canada, U.S., and I think it's going to be fun. So uh, really not looking forward to the top golf shooting from the stand portion of it, but whatever. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, see, I, I wasn't sure about that one either, but the boys here think it's, it's going to be it's great. Worth, worth a shot to try. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to see how you're going to tweet about it, Jeremy, uh, during the skills competition and uh, – Please entertain me, because if I'm not entertained on the ice, I, at least I'll be entertained on social media. All right. Thanks, Marty. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Marty Baran on with Howard and Jeremy this morning. It's out, by the way. They talk about the All-Star festivities at the end there. Which competition Jack Eichel will be competing with or competing in? 
in the All-Star Skills Competition tomorrow. It's not a big surprise. If you've been paying attention over the years, you probably know what it is, but I'll tell you what it is when we return. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Oh, I definitely was feeling it. I missed the competition, the, the competing, and uh, you know, trying to you know, try and keep everything as calm as I possibly could. I didn't do a very good job of that starting out. You know, I made a quick bogey there and early, and uh, I felt like I, I fought back. And a lot of positives hit in, into the South Course. Tiger Woods is back. Golf is starting up. That is he at the Farmers Insurance Open. He's three under after his first round of 2020 on the tour. It's three shots back of the lead. Are we back to thinking about him catching Jack? I guess we are. Couple back. We'll see. Also this weekend is the NHL All-Star festivities, including the all the uh, skills competition tomorrow. The new event that everybody's excited to see is the shooting from the 200 level. And down onto the ice, over the crowd, essentially. Yep. So there's that. The one that Jack Eichel will be competing in for the Sabres will be the fastest skater uh, competition, which he did last year and I believe the year before that. Eichel, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Matthew Barzell, Chris Kreider, Anthony Duclair, Travis Konechny, Quinn Hughes. There is not a person... On earth, faster at skating than Connor McDavid. He is the best skater I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's not, it's maybe not even close. There are guys that have been as fast as McDavid. Like Max Finneganoff was one of the fastest I've ever seen. But McDavid is not just the fastest, he is so strong on his skates, and he's also quick. Side to side on his skates. He's almost like he's almost like Tyreek Hill out on the ice. Eichel is insanely fast. Don't get me wrong, but he's more like Julio Jones. He'll just beat you straight ahead with speed. Side to side, you know, he's fast, but he's not he's not Tyreek Hill. That's that's the way I see it. So could Eichel win this? Maybe. But I think McDavid is the fastest skater uh alive. McKinnon also. Those are Part of the reason I think those are the three best players in the league, I think those are the, arguably the three best skaters in the league. McDavid, McKinnon, Eichel. If I were going to start a franchise tomorrow, those might be my top three. They'd be close to it if they're not right there. Uh, McDavid and McKinnon would certainly be one and two for me. So yeah, that's going to be exciting to see what goes on in the uh, All-Star game, I guess, a little bit. You've got... The All-Star festivities tomorrow with the skills competition. Then you've got the three-on-three games on Saturday. And then the Pro Bowl on Sunday. So stay tuned for that. That's it for me for the week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Whether it be Monday or Tuesday from 12 to 3. Whether it be Monday through today from 7 to 9. It's been been fun. And uh, I will talk to you next on uh, Monday. So until then, everybody have a good night. Everybody have a good weekend. This has been the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.